You are listening to the Word of Grace podcast. We're a small church with a big vision to reach unchurched, dechurched, and underchurched people by presenting a Pentecostal, full gospel message. It is our prayer that this message you're about to hear would illuminate the truth, offer freedom, and honor Christ. Thanks for listening. I asked Sumner yesterday afternoon, he was, he was sitting at his computer and I was sitting at mine. I don't know what you, you guys were doing. Me and Sumner were working yesterday afternoon. I hope you weren't. Sumner and I were. So I asked Sumner, I said, Sumner, can we... Can we do when I survey the one just crossed? And of course, he said, sure we can. I don't really, really not, sh- not sure what else he could have said, but he said, sure we can. Didn't they do a good job of that, though? They didn't, they didn't have any chance to practice, I guess, this morning for a little bit. But um, that old hymn, it just, uh, it just I guess, kind of just breaks my heart every time we sing it. Um, because when I think about what Jesus did for me there, and I picture him on it. It uh, it just moves me, I suppose. And so this morning we're going to take a trip together to the one place where God's supply is always open and it's always available. Um, it's best described, I suppose, as the place of humiliation and agony, suffering and brutality. But. You know, it's also a place of perfect victory and celebration. It's a place of glory. It's a place of healing. Uh, How can one place and one event hold so much influence in the lives of so many people? The cross of Christ is, and you've heard me say this, I don't know how, how, how many times I've used this one sentence in the last 15 years, really longer than that probably. But the cross of Christ is the one place where the love of God is irrefutable and irresistible. It is magnetic in its magnificence. God's rich mercy, his unlimited power, and his glorious goodness uh, and the divine presence are all available because of the cross. The the presence of God that, that many of us sensed in this room this morning is available only because of Calvary's cross. See, the, the cross of Christ is, is what I call, and if you can come up with something better, you can tell me later, I call it an eternal God event. And what I mean by that is no matter where we are and when we are, when we, are we can always kneel at the foot of the cross. I'm believing God. I'll just tell you for myself. Um, I, I talk to preachers, and I travel around a little bit, and most of you know that I do. I'm, I'm believing God at this phase in my ministry and this phase in where I believe our country is for a revival of repentance and righteousness and, and holiness and soul winning. That's, that, that's where I'm, I, I am. I, I think the one thing that this church needs uh, first and perhaps um, many churches like us is simply a revival of righteousness and holiness and of soul winning. Um, I'm convinced that it will come only as we gather around the foot of the cross to honor the spilled blood of the blessed Redeemer. All of God's blessings uh, flow from the cross. Um, Every judgment that we find in Scripture points to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Um, Anything God ever has done to bless men found its perfect fulfillment in the resurrection and ascension. 
anything that man has ever done to deserve punishment. And God knows they've, we've all done stuff to deserve punishment. Uh, but that punishment found its perfect expression as Christ hung on Calvary's cross. In the cross, we have access to the Father. In, in the cross, we have access to heaven's throne. Um, every good thing that we have in our lives flows from and is made available to us only because of the cross. Where the cross is ignored, only hopelessness, only death, only hell. But when the cross is honored, life reigns. The, the cross of Christ is, I, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to paint use, use words to paint a picture, and we're going to get to Galatians in just a minute. Um, in Galatians 6.14, I don't know if you can read that slide or not. We're going to get there in just a second. But the cross of Christ is really the supernatural epicenter of all human history. Right. I, 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 I've used three or four big sentences in the last little bit, and, and this is one of them that I think it would be very difficult for me to stress the importance of, of too much. Um, everything that God has ever done in the life of any man pointed to the cross or emanates away from it. Um, it is the center of geography, it is the center of politics, it is the center of economics, it is the center of sociology and psychology, um, human, human, humans' relationships and resources, all, um, all go to the cross and are redeemed thereby. Um, the world has rejected its only form of hope, but this morning we stake our claim to his, to his victory, to our portion in it. Um, by, by one thing, we just say, you know, this world don't have our hearts. Um, our hearts, our, our will, our desires have all been redeemed by the blood. And so this morning, um, I want to preach Galatians 6.14 for just a little bit. I'm going to read some verses with it, and then we're going to get to another, another passage. Um, but the Apostle Paul, right into the church here at Galatia, he, he, uh, he just basically drops the hammer, and I'm going to drop it with him. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Father, right now we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we bless your name. Lord, we are very grateful for the cross, for every blessing that emanates from it. With you, with you we are humiliated by the shame of it. We, we, we are so sorry that you had to endure all that. But Lord Jesus, we are so grateful that you did. Now God, as we break this bread of life, as we celebrate the cross this morning for just a few minutes together, I pray God that somebody will have a supernatural revelation of it and they'll leave this place forever changed, impacted in the depths of their soul by the power of of the cross of Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. You see, the, the cross of Christ is the dividing line between the world and the church. It's just it. It's the line in the sand. To the world, the cross, uh, the message of the cross is a message of foolishness. They don't understand it. Uh, to them, it's simple and it's stupid and, and it's, just, it's, it's childish and it's ridiculous. But to us, it is hope and it is home. It is light and it is liberty. The message of his death brought me life. 
When I put my trust in him instead of me, everything turned around. The message of the cross, it'll, it, it, it takes you another step forward and it compels you to renounce the world that you once embraced and to embrace a new kingdom, one of righteousness, one of holiness, and one of hope. When you contemplate the wondrous cross, you decided that you didn't love this world or anything in it. See, it's impossible to love the world and love the cross all at the same time. It is impossible when that revelation gets a hold of you, holiness and righteousness becomes more real to you. See, when you contemplated the wondrous cross, you decided that you didn't love this world anymore. Right? You renounced its ways, its priorities, and its demands on your affections. See, the cross moves us and compels us towards holiness, to righteousness, to sanctification. The cross pilots our lives in ways that leads us to talk differently, to walk differently, to spend our money differently. Uh, it, it, it chooses us to focus on moderation and modesty, generosity and gentleness. That's what the cross compels us to do. The, the cross compels us to love the world like he loved the world, but prefer him to fitting in. Listen to what John 15, 18 says. You ought to turn over there and just see it in your Bible. John 15, 18, I have it for you. And, and I actually, I'm going to read through verse 20 in, the, in New Living in my notes. It says, if the world hates you, really Jesus could have said, since the world will hate you. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. And so let me just tell you something. This world hated Jesus 2,000 years ago, and Buster Boy, it hates him today. And so for you to love something that hates Jesus so bad, I wonder if you've ever seen the cross. I'm just telling you. It's my turn at the pulpit. People that love the world too much make me wonder if they've ever seen Jesus' body bloodied and battered and his blood spilled and commingling with the earth that he created. I just wonder if they've ever seen it. He said the world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of this world. Do you view yourself as a citizen of heaven, no longer a part of this world? He said, I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. Listen, we can't live in this world and be of this world and of a new kingdom all at the same time. If our affections are on, the, on above, if they are on God, then bless God, live like it. And if they're not, then cut bait and start living for the devil again. But pick a side. Come on, I've been to church a lot lately. Pick a side and sell out. When I sold out for the devil, that's what I did. I sold out, Justin. He had it all. Now, you want to know how that ended? Well, you can see me standing here now. That's how it ended, Chris. It left me hopeless and helpless and godless in a world where I needed hope, help, and God. And still yet, people try to put one foot in and one foot out. He said, I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than his master. So here we are. We think we can have the world and all of its shiny stuff and at the same time have the kingdom and all that it entails. It won't happen. He said, since they persecuted me, naturally they, were perse they will persecute you. If they had listened to me, they would listen to you. 
Listen, railing against the darkness belongs in the church. But listen, man, quit putting stuff on Facebook trying to beat the whole world up. They're not listening to that. Quit it. They're not going to listen to you. Listen to 2 Corinthians 6, 17. That's up there too. Therefore, it says the same thing in a different way. This is what the Apostle Paul said. He said, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourself from them, says the Lord. Don't touch any of their filthy things, and I'll welcome you. You know that's in the Bible. Read that in your Bible. In the Bible. That's not what some holiness ridiculous preacher is saying. It's in the Bible. To come out and separate yourself from them, that don't mean get as close to them as you possibly can and hope for the best from Jesus because Caleb says it's positive encouraging and God ain't never going to strike nobody. Quit it. God is love. Yes, God is love. But he's also just He's calling you to live different, to be different, and dare I say even occasionally look different. You are crucified to the world. That's what it says. I am crucified to the world. Dead to its tremendous pull. Honey, you don't, why do you care? You don't care if they appreciate your life choices. Why do you care if they appreciate your life choices from marriage to modesty? you got to learn to choose to shine from the inside out. It no longer bothers the believer that they don't have the same priority as the unbeliever. I don't measure the success of my life by somebody that can't even spell Jesus. Do you really? I'm sitting at my desk thinking about all this, and, and I've been preached, preached to, and I've been preaching, and and preaching just seems to be the, the word of the season, and we'll get to that in a little bit. And so the Lord, the Lord really led me to ask you some questions. So I'm going to look right down here at this piece of paper, and I'm going to ask the questions the Lord asked me to ask you. Listen, do you really want to spend all of your Sundays at the lake and not at church, really? Do you really wish that you didn't have to tithe and support missionaries? The cross means more to you than your own rights, Right? Since Jesus came to serve to give his divine life as a ransom for many, you are happy to follow his example by not demanding your own rights, by freely emptying yourself of yourself and considering the frailties of your neighbor as you navigate life, right? Don't, don't tell me that the only way to, for the world to know that you're a cross-focused Christian is by following you to church on Sunday morning. If that's the only way people can tell that you're different, quit. There must be more. There must be more than, that, that differentiates our life from theirs than how we spend a couple of hours a week. There's just got to be more. You know, some people want a ribbon if they get up and get dressed and get to church for an hour and a half on Sunday morning. And for that, God knows we are all very grateful. Look around, there's a room full of people that decided to do something else today. And I'm not going to call one of them to find out what they decided to do that was more important than listen to the message of the cross. I'm not calling one. Now listen, I'm saying all of that to say this, I am not mad and I'm not hurt and I'm not angry. What I am is at a place in my life where I clearly see a dividing line. And it happens at the cross.
Um, you see, um, I don't care one whit if you have a cross dangling around your neck or one tattooed to your arm if it does not inform all of your life choices. As a matter of fact, if it does not, I wish you would take it off. Don't be cussing and going to rated R movies if you've got a cross dangling around your neck. Stop it. You bring in reproach on my Christ. Stop it. Peel the bumper sticker off about follow me to Sunday school if you honking at everybody in traffic. Just stop it. 1 Corinthians 1.18. I'm going to try to make somebody smile today, but I did not invent these verses. This is in your Bible. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the preaching of the cross. Somebody say, preach or preach. Thank you so much. The preacher sometimes got to preach. I believe in the teaching of the cross, but sometimes the preacher just got to preach. People need to be preached to. I know we say, don't preach to me, but bless God, don't say it at church. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. You know, we need to teach the cross. But it's got to be passionately proclaimed too. Our community, our communities need more anointed, blood-bought, cross-carrying, Holy Ghost, fire, and brimstone proclaimers of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If there's one on every corner, then bless the Lord. Oh, my soul and all this within me, somebody preach Jesus. This world needs more preachers, not less of them. It, it says uh, uh, the foolishness. Look on there. It, to them that perish foolishness. And so people that think about the cross and just shrug their shoulders and keep right on li living uh, by rejecting the cross of Christ, they reject their only means for hope and salvation. Jesus is the only way and the cross is the only means for our access to salvation. The only it, that's it, that's all. It's the cross or nothing. Amen. If the cross is to you foolishness, then you're on your way to hell. If the cross does not, mag does not reach out and grab you and lead you and pull you like a magnet into the loving arms of a holy God, then you're on your way to hell. It's just that simple. I just help people. If when you see the image of the cross, it causes you to be repulsed or repelled a little bit, you've got a problem with God. Humanity, see, right, right now we got this thing going on, and they're teaching your kids this at school, so I'm just, I'm just warning you right now. They're teaching something that, 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 that leads you to believe this. They're, this is what's going on. I know, I know. I know. Listen close. They believe that humanity's greatest needs, this world does, believes that humanity's greatest needs can be met only as we apply reason and science to our problems. The idea is that as more knowledge is gained and acted upon, then the better off people will be. Right? The problem with that line of thought is the end of it would be that the more knowledge you had... <laughs> The, the, the smarter a society or a culture was, that it would just grow progressively better, safer, healthier, and more just. I, I wonder how long before parents will see the folly in it. Um, they think that they can educate the evils out of a man. If we just teach them to make better choices, then they will. 
the, the problem, the problem with this anti-cross theology, and that's exactly what it is, is that humanity's problems cannot be solved by gathering more information and applying creative problem-solving techniques. They require your, your problems and your kids' problems require spending presence in the time of a holy God. Real problems have to be laid at the foot of the cross. Our deepest troubles have to be cast over upon him because he cares for us. Our ugly, dreadful soul problems require nothing but the blood of Jesus. The end. The, the deepest agony, the, the hurts that I experienced, that the world did and I did to myself and the devil, if it wasn't for the cross, I'd still be carrying them around. I believe in Christian therapy, but baby, it ain't therapy that's going to heal you. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. Ignorance is, man, it's bad, but ignorance is not humans, humanity's greatest threat. It's just not. It's the devil. There's a real devil, and he propagates real sin. In this fallen world that we live in, <laughs> has real diseases. And people are really depraved. And poverty is run rampant and is not caused by bad information. See, it's the law of sin and death that violently rests at the root of our problems. I like them to say that again. It is the law of sin and death that lie violently, that rests violently at the root of all your problems. And it's the only, by the law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is that broken in your life. The foolish people simply do not understand that they need a, a redeemer, a savior. But, but see, the cross of Christ makes available the yoke-destroying power of God. The power of God that was, that was released to you when Jesus walked out, out of that tomb that day. Ephesians 3.20, and then we'll get back to 1 Corinthians in just a second. But, but if you don't know first, uh, uh, excuse me, Ephesians 3.20, you ought to read it with me. It says this, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. Now unto him, I'm going to read it again. Thank you, Melinda. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above, exceeding abundantly above, exceeding abundantly above. He is able to do a whole lot more. Whatever you think he can do, he can do exceeding abundantly above. And then I love, it's not a qualifier, it's a quantifier. He said according to the power that works in us. And so, you know, that don't mean there's somebody got more power than the other person so they're able to do more and receive more. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about this, that because the uh, resurrection power of Jesus is at work in you, your God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask, think, hope, or imagine. You see, it's resurrection power that's working in you. And so, honey, just a little drop of resurrection power is enough to affirm your life, to destroy poverty, to destroy sickness, to drive out shame and depression and overwhelming sorrow from your life. When you realize what Jesus did on that cross, released his yoke-destroying power into your most inner man and into your most deepest thoughts, then you realize your God is able not to see you through, but to carry you through. The power of God. 
is the dunamis of God is the Greek word. It refers to his energy, his might, his, his great force, his ability, his miraculous power. Really, it boils down to his reproductive power, and it is working in you this morning. God is reproducing his power in your life. You are a carrier of the power of God into any situation and circumstance that you have. And so here you are. We, we, we gathered around our problems this morning, and we worshiped God, and we said in Christ alone, and we said, no, I'm shaking it off. I'm putting my faith in Jesus. And that power is released into your heart. It's released into your spirit, and it works like a seed. And all of a sudden, the next thing you know, that power is being released into your checkbook, and it's being released into your knee, and it's been released into your back. And it's been released into your mind. It's been released into your marriage. It's been released into your hope. It's released into your dreams. It's released into your children. It's released into your car. It's released everywhere you go. And here we are. And all we can think about is our problem and our puppy dog and our kitty cat at home waiting on us. And here Jesus is saying, I'm releasing my power into your life. Get your mind around that. Let that permeate. Let that saturate. That let that do to you. Come on, what only God can do. What more can you want than that? What more can you want than that? Knowing that God is on your side and he is working for you. What more can you want than that? For it is written, he goes to quoting the Bible. Imagine the Bible quoting itself. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. Honey, ain't nobody that smart. I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Not here. Where is the scribe? Uh-uh. Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? These four questions beg the same answer. The folks who choose only worldly wisdom will never know God. They will never have fear of God, and they will always be considered the proverbial fool who says in their heart, there is no God. See, it is by grace through faith that we are saved. Yes. No amount of human wisdom, um, no amount of logic or reason will be enough to find God and to save us from everything that ails us. None. Now, God made us logical and God made us reasonable, and I believe in, in book smarts, and so do you, because you are very grateful that Mr. Carrier invented the air conditioner. You are. You're very grateful. I'm very grateful that Mr. Firestone invented rubber. You are, too, because them tires would be hard if they didn't have a little rubber around the edge of them. You're very grateful that some smart fella figured out how to make a chainsaw. So we ain't having to try to tame beavers. Three people's listening to me still. Thank you, Jesus, that I got three people listening to me. We, we'd be trying, Chris. Somebody say, I'm domesticating a beaver. Because don't nobody, how many have ever sawed down a tree on one? Come on, there's two or three of us. We've done, thank you. You've done, right. You'd be trying to figure out. He said, I'm going in the beaver domestication business. Right? So everybody's thankful for something that made life more comfortable and easy. God's not saying to run away from, from, you know, trying to learn how the world works. What he's trying to say is, as long as you're trying to figure out how the world works, you'll never understand the power of the cross. So why, why do we follow the customs of the fool? I don't know. 
Why do we do that? Why do we take our cues from them? And don't tell me we don't because the world, they, they tell me right now that the world has this, uh, that the church has the same troubles as the world do. That there's as many of you watching porn at your house as there are worldly men that ain't never set foot in the church. That's what the statistics are telling me. I can't hardly believe it. They're telling me that, that there really ain't no difference between how we act and how we live. That the church girls dress just like the world girls. I say, can't be. Can't be. It can't be. Why, why do we follow the customs of the fool? Why, why, do we, why do we allow them to decide how close to the world we can get instead of listening as the Holy Ghost is trying to lead us back to the foot of the cross? We, we, we gotta, we gotta, we just gotta, we gotta try to get back to the foot of the cross, you see. It's there where somehow or another you get up and you have hope for brighter tomorrows. Because if you listen to what the world says, if you listen to what the news says, everybody's out to get and destroy everybody. And that's actually kind of what it looks like. I know it's really not true on the, on the small level. But you listen to the news. You know, everybody's trying to get... The Democrats blame the Republicans. The Republicans are blaming the Democrats. And the church is sitting here getting involved in that fight instead of just blaming the devil. And, and I ain't mad at nobody that wants to come to America to live for the love of God. I'm glad my great-grandpa did or whoever. I mean, why am I... Why? Why are y'all so bent out of shape about that? I, yes, I know we got rules and regulations. I do, I do, I do. I know, I know, I know. Yes, the whole world knows we got rules and regulations. Um, but for goodness sakes, man, take the fight to the devil and leave migrants alone. I, I don't understand. Don't the church got enough? Listen, let me just get on this. I was at a preacher meeting the other day. Don't we got enough real issues to deal with than to start getting involved in theirs? Come on, thank you. Don't we have, isn't sin bad enough? Isn't, don't we have enough on our plates to start dealing with the effects of sin and, and, and all sorts of perversion that we're just going to start watching the news all the time and let their problems become mine when Jesus is Jesus and them lines on a map wasn't put there from heaven? Heaven didn't draw them lines on that map. Men did. Why? Why do we let their fight become ours? Our job is to advance the light, to put back the darkness, and not just to pick up their battle cry. I can't fight every battle this world fights. I ain't got enough in me. Verse 21 says, For after that, in the wisdom of God, in the, wisdom of God the world by wisdom knew not God. Well, no kidding. That's too many negatives for a simple-minded person to try to figure out. But listen, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. The foolishness of preaching. I never considered myself all that smart because God called me to preach. Or God called me to preach because I was smart. I think he called me to preach because I was stubborn and loud. And both of those are generally not considered redeemable traits. I'm just telling the truth. It just, I think God has a sense of humor, Dennis. And he said, listen, Carol's loud and stubborn. Let's see what we can get him to do. <laughs> but somehow or another, the, the Lord uses the foolishness of preaching to save folks. He said the Jews required a sign. It was a sign. The Greeks seek after wisdom. The only way for the world to, to learn anything is through the use of their five senses. 
There's not going to be a test on which ones they are, but let's see. We got sight and sound, touch, hearing, and taste. You'd think taste would be the first one I said. Listen, those, those five things, I'm very grateful for them, and so are you, but they're not going to lead you to the cross. I mean, we, we thank God for scientific, scientific advancements like GPS on our cell phones. Amen. There's three or four of us that are grateful for that. I've been lost in the woods, and, if it, and, and they put a compass on there, too. A compass on my cell phone. Now, that's a smart boy there. I hope he made a nickel for deciding, let's put a compass on that so them boys out there walking around the middle of nowhere can find their way out. I'm very grateful for that. I'm, I'm grateful um, for all the advancements that the world has made. But listen, my soul does not need an iPhone 10 or a 100-inch QLED TV in order to find satisfaction, though some of us probably need one of them self-driving cars if you don't stop texting and driving. Some of y'all been driving around lately. It was somebody driving the other day, and we was going down the interstate, and they was texting. It's like, Lord have mercy, 70 miles an hour. When we lived in Houston, Carla reminded me, when we lived in Houston, we used to watch, middle-aged men are the worst about this. They had read the newspaper driving down the interstate. In Houston. It's on the steering wheel. And they're reading the paper. And there's a gazillion people living in Houston, if y'all don't know that. A gazillion and one, maybe. There's bumper to bumper in cars over David and Dad drive a truck. I'm sure they could tell you some stories. I did not realize that you could read the sports page and maneuver down the Gulf Highway. I didn't know. But apparently you can, or you really shouldn't. Um, but, but listen, that, that being said, I mean, <laughs> we got to be nourished by the Word and by the Holy Ghost. The, the Greek sought for wisdom just for wisdom's sake as an end and of itself. They just, you know, let's just learn as much as we can learn as though that was the goal. I'm glad people are learning now in order to, to make things better and more efficient and all that sort of stuff, you know. I, I don't even know how a radio or microwave works. I, I don't, and it's fine. With, I'm good with that. Um, but I'm glad that other people want to know. But... But my, my greatest needs cannot be met by scientific advancement or philosophical advancement either. You see, my greatest problem was not ignorance and neither was yours. Um, if, I believe if Job could preach to you this morning, that he'd tell you to look out for the devil. I believe he'd be preaching sermons like this, run to the cross and run from the devil. Run from the devil. The devil's trying to do everything in his power to destroy you. You need to quit playing with him and quit inviting him into your living room for the love of God. The Jews demanded a sign even as Jesus hung on the cross. Listen, no matter that he had healed the sick, no matter that he had raised the dead, no matter that he had multiplied the loaves and the fishes, no matter, no matter that, they, that uh, he spoke with authority, uh, no matter that he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, no matter they didn't care, they were wanting one more sign. Those people that have to have physical proof will never be completely satisfied. There's always going to be somebody that just says, well, one more thing then. Always. There, were, they were, there always have been, there always will be. And so we can't get caught up in that. We have to go back to verse 23 where he says, but we preach Christ. See, we got to preach Christ crucified. Yea, rather resurrected. 
ascended, sitting on the right hand of God. We preach Christ crucified under the Jews, a stumbling block under the Greeks' foolishness. And so the world hears of the resurrection of a Savior and belittles it or ignored it. The Jews were looking for a Messiah at that time that would die as their substitute, that would, that would die um, looking, excuse me, not as a substitute, but they were looking for a warrior, a Messiah, who would uh, rule over them and punish the Romans and the Assyrians and all their previous oppressors. Um, you know, they were just not looking for the right thing. Verse 24, my last verse, and I'm closing in just a second. Verse 24 says, But to them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Christ, crucified. The cross. The power of God. The wisdom of God. I, I just can't help but believe that if we will just worship Jesus and thank him for the power of the cross that's been released that brings transformation to our lives that we'll find the healing and the encouragement that we need for our souls. The resurrected Christ reigns supreme over death held in the grave. And he reigns victorious over whatever ails you too. I'm afraid I've about preached my voice gone. But I have a challenge for you this morning. <clears throat> As though the words that I've uttered so far haven't been challenging enough. I know that they have. I know that I've challenged many of you. I know that when I got off on your pet political subject, some of you tuned me out. I don't care. That causes you to tune me out. By faith, spend time at the foot of the cross. It's real simple. When you're at the foot of the cross, your perspective changes. When, when you're at the foot of the cross... See, there's, there's, at the foot of the, let me just get down here where I can see you. See, at the foot of the cross, there's blood there. That's right. at, at, the, at the foot of the cross, you can still hear the cries of Jesus' mother as she watched her son die a gruesome death. See, at the foot of the cross, you can also hear the passers-by wagging their head and smarting off. At the foot of the cross, see, you can still smell the smell of gore at the, at the foot of the cross. Your senses are enlightened at the foot of the cross. See, you come face to face with face to face with the, with your own sin. At the foot of the cross, you come face to face with either the man you were or the man that you can be. At the foot of the cross, you see what's possible, but you also see what is. You see, at the foot of the cross is where everything either changes or you just get up and you reject that sacrifice and you keep right on living for yourself and you stand in front of a holy God one day and have to answer for disrespecting the blood of the sacrifice. You, it's one or the other. See, the blood of the cross and the, and the cross of Christ, it is a very controversial thing, but it's also a very confrontational. The cross is confrontational. You've got to do something with it, Dennis. God demands that you do something with it. You can't just shrug your shoulders and get up and walk away and play like God didn't speak to you there because the voice of Jesus still cries out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani at the cross. It still cries out, my God, my God. The voice of Jesus still emanates from that place. And so you find yourself there, and you've got to do something. To do nothing is disrespectful, dishonorable, disreputable. 
The only thing you can do is throw yourself on the mercy of God at the foot of the cross and get up rejuvenated and made alive. That's all you can do. That's the only wise choice. Find yourself at the foot of the cross. At the foot of the cross, see, at the foot of the cross, you'll tell him, Jesus, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to pick up my cross every day. And I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow where you lead. I'm going to put down my own rights. I'm going to put down my pet projects. I'm going to put down my pet peeves. And I'm going to pick up my cross. And I'm going to follow you. I'm going to say not my rights, not my responsibilities. I'm no longer an American first. I'm no longer this first. I am a Christian first. And I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I want America to go with me. But if it don't, it can fall the way of the other 10,000 kingdoms that have come before it. Say, that don't really sound good, preacher. I don't really care. Jesus was Jesus before the Mayflower ever sailed, and he'll be Jesus again. Thanks again for listening to the Word of Grace podcast. We are located in Hope, Arkansas, and our service times are 1030 Sunday mornings and 630 Wednesday nights. You can find our live streams on our Facebook page and learn more about who we are at wog-hope.com. That's W-O-G-Hope.com. See you soon. God bless.